Hi everyone, this is Pastor Brett from First Baptist Church here in Cherryvale, Kansas, and I want to welcome you to our Cherryvale First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Our prayer is that the Lord will speak to you through His Word for His people. If you're looking for a church home, we encourage you to join us for our celebration service every Sunday morning at 1045. It's a great time of praising our Lord and hearing from Him. We are just a group of passionate followers of Jesus Christ with a desire to worship Him and take His message of hope to the heartland. If you want to find out more information about our church, you can look at our website, www.fbcherryvale.org. My sermon will begin in just a moment, and thanks again for listening. I'm going to begin this morning with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for its truth. Lord, as we take a dive into this topic, can God, can you meet our needs? I pray, Lord, that you'll open our eyes, open our hearts. Let us have ears to hear what you have to say to us this morning, how you can provide in any and every situation that we may be going through in life. We know you are the great provider, and we just thank you for that, Lord. We just thank you for all that you do. We love you, God, and we praise you. And all God's children said, amen. I invite you to find your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of 1 Kings chapter 17. As you're turning there, it was over 10 years ago now that I began my journey in the life as a pastor. And it's been over three years ago now that I became pastor here at First Baptist Church. I've got to say, when I began my ministry here, I was extremely unsure about whether I could do the job. I didn't know whether I could come up with sermons week after week without running dry. I wasn't sure whether I could adequately shepherd the flock or whether I could fulfill all the other demands that ministry required. I remember sitting down in my chair in my new office on that first morning and just telling the Lord, feeling a bit overwhelmed, saying, okay, Lord. You put me here. You got me here, and I have no clue at all what I'm doing. So I'm trusting you, Lord. I'm trusting you to guide me, and I'm going to try this for like two years or so, and then we'll see where we're at after that. Although it's been many times through those years, there's been times where I felt overwhelmed with inadequacy. There's times I've truly thought about quitting, but by God's grace alone, I'm still here serving as your pastor. And I'm so thankful for the Lord, for Him continuing to encourage me with His Word, showing me His plan for our lives, for His church, shepherding me down this path, ensuring that I stay in alignment with His will and with His way, despite all the distractions, despite all the challenges that we have had to come across along the way. And I'm so thankful that He has continued to meet my needs and meet the needs of my family as well. But I must ask, is it wrong Is it wrong to think about our needs? I've got to say not necessarily. But what gets us in trouble here is where we go to get our needs met. So often when we get together with our families over Christmas or the holidays, there are tense times. Why is that? It's because one of the main reasons is when we come together at these gatherings, what comes back up in our mind is all the bad memories that we've had from the past. Memories of how this person or that person, how they didn't meet our needs. Could be an adult son, he can't help but look up at his dad who's offering him thanks, but he sees that busy workaholic that missed all of his Boy Scout badge presentations. Could be an aging woman working in the kitchen alongside her daughter-in-law. Beneath those smiles and those helpful hands, in her heart there's a bitterness over the perception that this daughter-in-law, that her insecurity is distracting the son from her relationship with that aging woman. And it could go so many different ways. Houses that are brimming with apparently thankful people who are filled with all this disappointment, who are filled with all these unmet needs in their life. The problem is that God, He wants us to take our deepest needs straight to Him. 
the hope is that when our needs are met by God, we can deal then with each other with more mercy, with more grace, and with more forgiveness. So what do we do? Where do we go? We must look to God's word for the answer. Our text this morning is 1 Kings chapter 17. It's pretty much going to be all of it. And I'm not going to read through it up front because we're going to read through it as I go through the teaching text this morning. But let me start by giving you a quick overview of this chapter here. This chapter, if you have read through it, is filled with miracles. That's what this chapter is, a book of miracles. If we believe in God, then we must recognize his limitless power. How these things were done in this chapter, we really don't know. But you see, the thing is, if we could understand them, if we could explain them in terms of the ordinary, then they really wouldn't be miracles, would they? Through this chapter, God is providing his power in the worst of times to his people. And here's what I want to continue on with here. There's a common element here that unites each and every one of us here this morning. All the people in the world. One thing that every person in this room has. And what is it? We all have needs, right? Every one of us has needs. There are times in every one of our lives we've experienced a need of some type. Perhaps that need is material in nature. That seems to be where we focus much of our attention on the material needs, the things that we need in our life. There are certainly times when emotional needs, when they will arise, and there's other times when it might be physical in nature, when those needs present themselves. At other times, we'll face days when the greatest need in our life is simply something spiritual. So what do we do? Where do we go? How do we handle it when these needs arise? Our natural reaction is what? We worry about it, right? We worry, and that's what we usually do, but we know that the Bible, it, it, that's not God's plan for our lives. Remember what Paul said in Philippians 4, 6? He said, do not be anxious about anything, but with everything in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Let me ask, what do you think about this statement? Should we try to meet our own needs? The simple answer is yes. When we have it within our power to help ourselves, then honestly, we really don't have a need at that point, do we? But what I'm referring to this morning are those times when we've reached the end of the line. We've done everything that we know we need to do, we can do to meet our own need. We've exhausted every resource and we're left with the reality of our own inability and it starts staring us in the face. What do we do then? How do we handle those types of needs? The answer at once is simple, yet it's deeply profound. And it's an answer that's given by the mouth of Jesus himself. His answer to getting your needs met is this from Mark eleven twenty two, Four simple words. Have faith in God. Look. All I'm saying is, and what I tend to show you from our text this morning, we have a God in heaven who can be trusted to take care of his children. When our needs, when they will arise, so do the doubts in our lives. Satan in the flesh, they'll whisper into your hearts that, God, can he really meet that need? Can he? And if we're not careful, what we're going to do is we're going to find ourselves wondering that very same thing in our hearts. This, friends, is the question which faces us this morning. It's a question that we must answer. It's an issue that we must come to terms with. The question I would like to ask and answer this morning is, can God, can he meet your needs? I'd like to begin by saying yes. Yes, God can. And I'm going to show you that from our text, why I say God can really meet your needs. So the first thing I want to do is examine under number one, the many sides of our needs. 
when needs arise in our life, they often come from strange and varied places. We're going to examine from our text. We see three things mentioned. The first one is under A. It's this, an uncommon service. We're going to start reading in verses 1 through 7 here. It says, Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him. Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherish, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Cherish, that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And after a while the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. What was the source here of Elijah's need? It was his obedience. It was his obedience to the will of God. That's right. He was just doing what he was told to do, and then his need arose. It's like this. There are times in our lives when we seem to be doing everything right. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're paying your tithes. You're going to church. You're reading your Bible. You're just living the right life. And then still, the troubles, the problems, they plague your life. Why does that often take us by surprise? I mean, it should. Look what Jesus says in John 16, 33. He says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart. I overcome the world. I pray you're not one of those who believe that once you become a Christian, once you're believing in Jesus for your salvation, that all of your troubles are going to go away. Because I've got to tell you, whoever got people to start believing that, they pulled off one of the biggest lies of all time. So often, instead of being a hedge against protection, against that trouble, your salvation, what it does is it opens the door to problems in your life. The truth of the matter is this. We expect life to, at times, to be filled with trouble. It's like it says in Job 14.1, Man who is born of a woman is few of days and full of trouble. Instead of standing around with your mouth hanging wide open when trouble comes, what we're supposed to do is we're to rejoice. At the very least, we shouldn't really be surprised, should we? Then under B, we're going to see an uncontrollable situation come up here. Let's read that in verses 9 through 12. It says, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow who was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. These verses here, they tell us of a widow woman who was suffering a great need all because of the other's wrongdoing. Because of the sin of Ahab, Jezebel, and the nation of Israel, God, he had sent a drought that affected the area where this woman had lived. She was caught up in this unfortunate situation. Do you have that at times? I certainly do. You know, through no fault of your own, what happens is we find ourselves caught up in an unpleasant situation, situations that bring trouble into our lives. And then there's times, well, there are times when we make trouble for ourselves. We bring it on. And at other times, 
There's many of us that we just sit back and we say, what? well, trouble seems to find me, right? It'll find us all on its own. This shouldn't be a surprise either. Jesus said things will be this way, Matthew 5, 45, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. If we expect here to receive the good in life, why shouldn't we also expect to receive our fair share of evil also? Sometimes life. I've got to say, it just goes south on us. And there isn't a thing that we've done wrong to cause it, nor is there anything much we can do to stop it. Often the pain, the sorrow, the trouble, they're just part and parcel of the human experience on this earth. Next, under C, I want you to see an untimely sorrow. Look at verses 17 and 18. It says, After this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill. And his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, What have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. In this verse here, what we do is we find this woman who has given much to the Lord. And she had received much from the Lord as well. Yet she is thrown now into this time of grief over the untimely death of her son. Her world, it seemed to be right on track. Everything was going well, but it got derailed and filled with sorrow and pain. Have you ever been there? When it seems like things just couldn't get any better in your life, things are going so well for you. The Lord's been blessing you. You're enjoying the best that God has to give you. And then all of a sudden, what happens? The bottom falls out. All your hopes, all your dreams, they come crashing down around you. It hurts. But you see, as Christians, we shouldn't be surprised when things take a turn in another direction. After all, if it could happen to faithful, holy Job, why do you think it couldn't happen to any one of us in here? Let's face it, our troubles, they have a way of overtaking us when we are not expecting them. They sneak up on us. They'll body slam us and they'll leave us dazed and hurrying and confused. I praise the Lord that our troubles, they don't have to be the last word in this matter. So first, we just look broadly at the many sides of our needs. The second thing I want to do is I want to look at the unmistakable supply of our God. Your need, i got to tell you, it may have caught you off guard. It may have left you standing there with your chin hanging down on your chest, wondering what in the world happened. But like I say, your little old trial, it didn't catch God by surprise. He wasn't caught off guard by what came into your life. In fact, he knew it was going to happen before the foundation of the world. I'll even go a step further here. I'm going to say that these trials in your life, God even orchestrated them in your life to help you become more like him. As Paul said in Romans 8, 28, says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Since God knew about it, and since he had a hand in it, he has also has made preparations for it, for you, for your life. You see, your need here is merely evidence of God's supply for you, sitting and waiting for you. To understand God's supply, first let's look at under A, God's past preparations. Let's go back to verses 3 and 4 again. It says, depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherish, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. I hope you got the picture there. Think back thousands of years before Elijah ever needed that drink of cool, clear water. The finger of God was tracing out that brook on the earth, that little brook 
was being made by God. God knew his servant. He would need that provision. He made a way for Elijah long before the need for Elijah ever even arose. The name of the brook was Cherish. The word means cutting. Isn't it good to know that God made a way to cut Elijah's thirst before Elijah even knew he had a thirst? Let's follow this thought through. Let's bring it to our day today. If God, if he knows all about the troubles in my life and in your life before they even come up, and if God even has a hand in these troubles that are happening in our lives, and he does, look at Isaiah 54, 7. It says, I form the light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. Do you think all of these things, do they work together for your good and for the good of God? Look at 2 Corinthians 4, 17. It says, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And then Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Then Romans 8, 28, a very familiar verse. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. Do all things, do they really work together for our good? All I can say, friends, is they do. So then it stands to reason that God, He has already taken the steps necessary to meet the needs that come up in your life before they even arise. It may seem that the Lord, that He's not moving in your life at all, and that He's just going to leave you there, leave you twisting in the breeze, floundering in life. But the truth is this, friends, God, He has already met your need before the need even arose in your life. He'll manifest that supply in His own way. In his own time. Your duty, my friends, is simply to be patient and to be faithful to the Lord and to his will for your life. He will take care of you. Look at Psalms 84, 11. It says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good things does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Nowhere, nowhere in God's past provision is this more clearly seen than in the area of our salvation. Before there was ever a sinner to save, God had already gave up His Son, Jesus Christ, to be the means of salvation for everyone, for all, for those who had placed their faith in Him. God met your needs of salvation before you ever had any. So if God, if He can meet this greatest need in all of our lives, and He did, then He'll have no problem taking care of your little itty-bitty need. Next under B, I want to look at God's present supply. Let's jump to verse 6. It says, And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. In this verse here, we see that Elijah, he's being fed by the ravens. God knew that his man, he needed to eat. So what did God do? He supplied the necessities of life to this man of God. Notice God's method here. They were at the same time miraculous, yet they were ordinary as well. They were miraculous in that God, he used ravens, he used birds to bring the food to the prophet. But they were ordinary in the fact that he did use an ordinary fowl of the air to get his will done. Look, I want you to know the Lord has promised in his word to meet your needs. Look at Philippians 4.19. This is where Paul stated this, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. However, I also want you to know this. His promise is conditional. 
You see, the Philippian believers, they had sacrificed to give to the missionaries. They had sacrificed to support Paul in his missionary journeys. And God tells them, he'll take care of his needs for what they have done. This isn't a blanket promise like those ones that Christians always take out of context and they apply it across the board. Now, you may disagree with me on this, but you see, I believe that God will let us experience a need. Many times, it'll just be to get us back in line with His Word, with His plans for our lives in Him. Why do I believe that? Because He's done that in our life, in the life of Stephanie and me, in our family. There's been times of crisis. There's been times of need that God has used to help grow us, to help us learn, to guide us, to teach us to be fully dependent upon Him And sometimes to even turn our heart back to Him. Will He take care of you? That question can be answered by answering this question. Does God love you? The answer to that is yes, right? Yes, He does. So will He take care of you? Yes. Yes, He will. But just don't expect God to bless your mess. The mess you've made of your life. Friends, if you're tithing... If you're bringing the whole tithe into the storehouse, giving to this church, if you're serving, if you're finding your place of ministry in the church to make it a great place to worship, if you're serving selflessly, if you're living your life in accordance to the will of God, sharing your faith, being faithful to the Lord, I believe with all of my heart that He will meet your needs, not your wants, but He will meet your needs which arise in your life. He tells us in no uncertain terms what to expect and what he'll do. Look at Matthew 6, 33. It's simply this. But seek first the kingdom of God. Seek it first. And his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. Then under C, we're going to see God's promise for tomorrow as well. Look at verse 14. It says, For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, The jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. Here, Elijah, he tells this woman, he says, don't worry about it because the Lord will give you what you need. Even out into the future, God will take care of what you need. The future for all of us is always a very uncertain thing, and we may never know what needs may arise in our lives as soon as tomorrow. But we have this precious promise of the Lord, right? He is with us. Look at Hebrews 13, 5. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that he knows the way we take. Look at Job 23, 10. It says, but he knows the way I take. And when he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. And that he will also look out for us. He'll look out for us all the way home till we get to glory with him. I may not know what will come in the morning. Jesus knows what will happen if we'll go to Him and we'll live like that. He's already made preparations for my arrival in heaven. We read about that in John 14 too where He says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Friends, no matter where the road leads in your life, no matter what problems arise in your life, God is always ready with the means necessary to meet the needs of His children. Hagar, she needed some water for her son while they were stranded out in the wilderness. Look with me at Genesis chapter 21, starting in verse 17. It says, God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. Now, if God would do that for them, 
don't you think that he'd do it for you? You should. Because as Peter said in Acts 10, 34, he says, truly I understand that God shows no partiality. First, we saw the many sides of our needs. Second, we saw the unmistakable supply of our God. We're going to close out this morning looking at under number three, the marvelous secret for getting your needs met. If the secret for getting your needs met, if it could be summed up in one word, I would have to say that one word is this. It's that word, faith. That's it right there. This faith, it must manifest itself in our life in four different areas. The first of those areas, under A, there must be faith in the will of God. Look at verse 3 again. It says, depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherish, which is east of the Jordan. Elijah, he had just confronted the king of Israel, and now God is sending him out into the wilderness. It must have been just a little, okay, maybe a little more than a little confusing to Elijah of what was going on. But God's people, we must learn to place our faith in the will of God. If he tells us to go, we must go. Most of us have probably learned God's will and our will oftentimes are two separate animals. They do not meet at times. They're entirely different. Making the secret to us, getting your need met by God is this. It's trusting that God knows what's best for your life. And then it's also being willing to submit to that. Being willing to submit to His will for your life even if you don't understand it. God can bless and use a surrendered life. When in the midst of life, the glory of God hides from view, you must rest assured that He is there and that He is faithfully executing His plan for your life for all of the ages. Under B, there must also be faith in the ways of God. Look at verse 9. It says, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. Imagine your Elijah now. Imagine how he must have felt there when the brook he was drinking from had dried up. When the ravens that were flying in food, they stopped bringing him food. And then God, he comes along and he does what? He sends him off to a widow. Go ahead. She'll take care of you. Think about it. Widows. Even back then, they weren't known for their wealth. They weren't known for their importance in society. But Elijah knew. God knew more about taking care of prophets than Elijah did. And so what did Elijah do? He simply went. Understand, if you're going to sit around and you're going to worry about what's happening in your life, if you spend your time trying to figure out what God is doing and who God is and what's going on, understand, you're going to drive yourself crazy. You are. You can't understand God. You can't figure Him out. If you could, He'd cease to be God, and then you'd become God. And you see, if you were God, then you could fix your own mess, and then you wouldn't need Him anyway. We must have faith in this great truth that God, He knows what He's doing in our lives. And we must learn to trust God, trust Him in His ways. As the prophet Isaiah, as he once stated in Isaiah 55, he said this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Next under C, there must be faith in the work of God. Let's read, starting in verse 13. It says, And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But first, make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, The jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went 
and did as Elijah said. And she and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent. Neither did the jug of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. Wow. Put yourself in the widow's place here right now. She's at this point of starvation. She and her son, they have enough stuff left to make one more meal. And then what do they do? They plan to lay down and just simply die. They starve to death. But in comes who? This preacher. In comes Elijah into their life. And he tells him, well, first go out and make something for me to eat. It must have been a real trial of faith for this woman to make that great a sacrifice. But what did she do? She placed her faith in the word of God. Notice what it said in verse 13. She was told to what? Go and do. And then in verse 15, it tells us she did what? She went and did. Friends, this is the key. It's a key that's so often missed by so many people when they face a trial in life. Understand, if you've submitted your life to the Lord, and if you're faithfully engaged in carrying out His will within this world, you are on the Lord's payroll. You are His responsibility. When He says, go and do, you simply go. And you do. Too often we forget to whom we belong. 1 Corinthians 6.20 reminds us, For you were bought with a price, so glorify God with your body. Then Matthew 6.25-33, it kind of gives us a little bit more information here about God's provision for our lives. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory has not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. Next under D. There must be faith in the word of God. Look at verse 14. It says, For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, The jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day the Lord sends rain upon the earth. Wow. Okay, so, so check this out, right? The widow, she entered this valley of testing in her life with this greatest promise ever ever given to anyone. Did you see it? Don't miss it, friends. The prophet here, he gives her a promise in the form of an eight-word statement. It said, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. When you have the Lord's word on an issue, that issue is settled forever. This woman had the promise of God to back up the faith that she had in God. Now, we all know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when we read that statement of David in Psalm 37, 25, I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. Then we can place our faith in that, in that statement right there. Friends, Satan, he'll lie to you. The world, it will lie to you. I'm going to tell you, even your friends and your family will lie to you. But 
you can rest assured that while the universe stands, there is a God in heaven and he will never, ever lie to you. And if God said he would look after your needs, then you can take that to the bank of eternity and you can draw interest on that forever. You can place your faith in the word of God. Finally, under E, there must be faith in the wonder of God. I'm going to read here starting in verse 17. It says, After this, the son of the woman, this mistress of the house, became ill. And his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, What have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. And he said to her, Give me your son. And he took him from her arms and carried him up into the upper chamber where he lodged and laid him on his bed. And he cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought calamity upon even the widow with whom I sojourn by killing her son? Then he stretched himself out upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child came into him again, and he was revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. Look at the context here. This faithful woman's son died suddenly. So what did she do? She went to the man of God for help. Now, as far as I can determine, this is the first account of resurrection in the Bible. Elijah had never seen one, nor had he ever heard about one, but he had believed that God could produce one by his great power. Church, Here's one of the great keys to getting your needs met. It's simply coming to that place where you just believe. You believe that God, your God is big enough. He's big enough to handle the situation that you are in. It's reaching that place in your life where Paul, where he had come to, where he made this matchless declaration found in Ephesians 3.20, where he said, Now to him who is more able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. When we move beyond God could and God might, and we come to that place where we become confident that God can and God will, then we will see business start to pick up in that area of seeing our needs met. Those who see God consistently, see Him come through in their lives in strange ways, in miraculous ways, they are people who know God can and God will. Friends, does the word faith, does it sum up your life. It should. We are to be people of faith. Like it says in Habakkuk 2.4, it warns us there, Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Faith, it looks beyond the present pain, and it seeks the will of a God who can and will come through. Are you there yet? Let me just close with this. Philippians 4.19, it's where Paul says regarding, this is regarding God's ability to meet our needs. He says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now, I hope you notice what it said there. It says, my God will supply every need according to what? According to his riches. It doesn't say out of his riches. It says according to his riches. And let me explain because there's a huge difference in what that means. 
Jeff Bezos, big shot at Amazon, one of the wealthiest men in the world, was the wealthiest, Amazon stock went down, now he's the second wealthiest again. But anyway, Mr. Bezos, glorious riches that he has by the world standard, right? If he wrote a check for $1,000 and he came and he handed it to you and said, here, this is a gift for you, he would be giving to you out of his riches. But if he came to you and instead he gave you a blank check and he said, whatever you need, it's yours. I've already signed the check. That, my friends, would be giving according to his riches. And that's what Paul is saying here. That's what he's saying about God to us. He will meet your needs according to his riches. That means that God, he gives that faithful believer a blank check. It's a blank check that's already been signed in the name of Christ Jesus. His name is on the dotted line below it. It says, my God, he will supply all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus, signed Jesus Christ. And his check, unlike some of ours at times, it never, ever bounces. If you let the truth of this passage, if you let it grasp you, your life will be revolutionized. Look, I know this message, it hasn't been earth-shaking, it hasn't been deeply profound, but I hope it has opened your eyes to the truth that if God can do anything, then God can meet your need. Since we know from the Bible that God can, then why not bring your needs to Him? Bring them to the God who can. Bring your burdens, bring your worries, bring your fears, bring them all to God this morning and find that not only can God meet your needs, but He will do it for you also. Maybe your need this morning is that of salvation. You can come and you can have that need met today. Maybe yours is a material need. Maybe it's a physical need in your life and you can come and you can find assurance that God, that He will take care of that need in your life as well. Maybe your need is emotional in nature. God can handle that. Whatever you need to bring, bring it to God this morning. Satan in the flesh say, can God? Those who walk in the faith, we rest our heads on that precious promise of the word of God and that blessed assurance. And we reply back to him and say, God can. He truly can do it. Just like his word says. Friends, throughout this series, we've asked and we've answered these questions. Can God save me? Can God use me? Can God speak to me? Can God save my marriage? Can God heal me? And can God meet my needs? What do you think? Can God? Church, I've got to say in these and in so many other things, if I've done God's word justice, if I've relayed his word effectively, there should be no doubt that we should all be able to say God can and God will. If, if you believe and you don't doubt, and if you're truly walking in his ways. Can God? God can. Let's pray. I want to thank you for listening to the message today. I pray that this message somehow has touched you and created within you a passion for action for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you have any questions or you need to make any decisions or you just need to talk to someone, I encourage you to contact your local pastor. And if you don't have one, if you don't have a local church, you may contact me through the church office at 620-336-2777. We'd love to see you on Sunday mornings in church for our celebration service. It's a great time of fellowship and worship of our Lord and Savior. Come join us. We know you'll be blessed. And thanks again for listening to the Cherryvale First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast, and have a blessed day.